I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. Welcome to Football Social Daily. And you may be thinking, why on earth are you introducing it with a different name? Well, we got a rather nasty letter from those at the top table at the uh, Premier League. Are we even allowed to say that anymore? We don't know. Anyway, seven days a week. This is the podcast we bring you every single day, covering all the big talking points in the greatest league in the world. And I am going to say it, the Premier League. But not only is it the best league on earth, it's also the richest and English football has a rich history. We have a pyramid system and a passion for football across the land, which is the envy of the world. And with all this money in the top tier, could the Premier League do more to help those clubs in desperate financial situations? We'll ask about that on Football Social Daily. Also, with Romelu Lukaku having moved to Inter Milan and Alexis Sanchez seemingly close to following suit, are Manchester United stars being made scapegoats or are they getting deserved stick for underperforming? The big Belgian thinks that the flack is unnecessary. And after his unbelievable fantasy football tip, which can only be called a worldie, Timo Pukki <laughs> in, who then went and bagged a hat-trick, much to Phil Hudson's disdain. Our in-house FPL expert Kieran Howley's here to give us a little golden nugget to help you sweep up the points this weekend. So all of that in the company of Phil Hudson. Hello, Phil. More than me. And Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. Hello. My name's Nar McCorn, and let's get straight into it. I don't want to beat around the bush anymore. I gave it quite the build-up because... This is something quite close to my heart because I know exactly what their fans are going through. Berry on the verge of being kicked out of the Football League. Six fixtures in a row postponed. An estranged owner, 134 years of history. The situation they find themselves in is, in my opinion, unacceptable. People need to be held accountable for this. Uh, but the question has to be asked because I've seen it everywhere on social media. Does more need to be done from a Premier League perspective to help those clubs in turmoil? Now, let me try and tee off with this. 
Richard Scudamore, who was the outgoing Premier League chief executive, was given a £5 million gratuity from Premier League sides as what can only be described as a thank you for his service sort of payoff. That £5 million would go a long way to securing the future of Berry Football Club. Does more need to be done from the Premier League? Because this is a sad, sad situation. First off, it's £10 million, isn't it? Well, whatever it was, <laughs> it's a bloody lot of money. grand, 20 teams, that's, 20, that's £10 million quid. And I kind of think... Richard Scudamore deserved that. I think the way the Premier League went about handing it to him was a little bit strange. The fact that they asked for donations from other clubs and it was a voluntary donation as well, which some clubs had a bit of a problem with. But I think Scudamore brought so much money into the Premier League, he kind of deserved that. With the whole argument with Berry and Bolton and their futures being in question, I think it's a horrible situation for any football fans go through and I think these aren't football fans that wanted their team to be challenging for the Champions League they didn't expect their team to be turning up at Old Trafford each week and playing games they just wanted their local team that is part of their community they wanted to walk out their front door go 20 yards down the road and walk into their football stadium that they do every Saturday and it's really sad Mm. that they are losing their football clubs but there's loads of sad things in the world I thought that I was going to be the like really hard ass here but Jim's absolutely blown me out the water so that's great news um, Jim's absolutely right there's no responsibility for a business to support another business effectively a competitor yeah but there might be an argument about supply chain so if you're a Premier League club yeah without the depth that the Football League provides in terms of depth of professionals opportunities to get at the professional game that a lot of other countries in Europe don't have there's, there's no production line of young English talent. But the flip of that comes, that's how the Premier League support these clubs. Mm. Because if you're Crew Alexandra selling David Platt way back when to Villa, or you're uh, Rochdale just sold the young at Norwich over the summer, for example, um, that's where the support comes in. And transfer fees for young players have risen exponentially as the Premier League has expanded. So for me, the Premier League does support those clubs. I found Scooter must pay off a little bit distasteful in terms of how it was sort of come about. But what I would say is in any line of work, when you're dealing with the amount of money the Premier League has and you're the chief executive of a business that's mm. increased its profitability to that scale, you're going to be in line with a pretty huge payoff. If that had been a bonus it's, it's that was a, written if it had been a bit, contract, if, yeah, no, no one would have questioned it. It would have, wouldn't have even been on the radar. So, it was the fact it was asked of from Premier League clubs. So, and and the, the amount of money that's involved in the Premier League compared to the Championship and Division 1 and Division 2, is distasteful in itself. The huge sums in the Premier League and where the rest of that money is in football... The, the other is, thing... Sorry, Jim. It's, it's, just, it's, it's an imbalance and it probably does need addressing. The other thing that you can't get away from, now is that... And I feel... I, I want to caveat this by saying I feel absolute sympathy for the fans Berry and Bolton and other clubs. And we'll take your club as an example, Portsmouth. Um, the clubs who get into this situation do so as a result of largely their own poor governance. Mm. Now, when Portsmouth, and I'm going to turn the spotlight right back at you here, yep. when Portsmouth won the FA Cup yep. in, what year was it? 2008. 2008. Were you sat in the stand going, shit, you know, <laughs> our, our turnover's nowhere near enough to justify our wages for Crouch, Defoe, and all these other lads. No. Nick O'Crunchy almost have been there because Redknapp was in charge. Because I was about 15 years old. But, and yeah, funnily but, enough, you don't but think were, about that. But were any fans thinking that? I don't know. But you trust in those owners, don't you? You trust in those owners. You trust in your owners of your football club to treat you in the right way. 
because football clubs you you refer you're to them as a business. At the wrong money, they're not. They're not. <laughs> listen, you've got Mike Ashley as your owner. You are not in financial turmoil whatsoever. You no, do no. not have any risk of your club going extinct. I so I think him. that's a totally different football, situation. Any football club in the league is about five years away from being in financial well, risk. Football is a volatile business. Anyone who owns a football club has either got so much money that they don't know what to do with it. They've got money to splash and money for fun, or they're an idiot. But this is a, because this football is clubs a... do not make money. They're not profitable businesses. And Phil refers to, refers to them as businesses. They are, but they're a lot more than that because there's a lot more of a of an emotional element involved when you own a football club because this is people's lives. Whatever's going on in people's day-to-day lives, the stress, the turmoil, anything to do with mental health issues or family troubles, anything like that that might be going on, people have that sanctuary of going to their own home ground on a Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock and watching their team. Now, if you take that away from someone... What's that going to do? How's that going to damage the community? That's a whole town you're talking about. That's a very different argument to the idea that the Premier League should support these clubs, though, because that is the way football does its fit and proper test, which is yeah. completely the, ridiculous. The, 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 villains here, the villains here are the EFL. The Premier and, League and, failed my football and, club. And the owners. Because of the, the fit and proper test, they allowed a man to own Portsmouth who'd never stepped foot in the UK. There was no proof of funds. They just wanted someone to own a football club to, that didn't make the Premier League look bad. That's all they care about, their reputation. That is all they care about. They don't care about the financial stability. they rather leave it on the side. Anything bad that happens, they'll leave it on the back burner. As long as there are sides putting out 11 players on a Saturday afternoon, they don't give a toss about the financial security of football clubs. They don't I, care. I agree with you to an extent, but that's a, as Jim points out, that's a totally different thing to saying the Premier League should provide financial support to Bury. Do you think the Premier League should be doing more to offer money down the leagues because that's what I've seen on social media I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that statement I'm merely putting it out there and I have my own opinions on this as I'm sure you can hear but do you think the Premier League should be doing more from what I can ascertain here no is the answer you're getting at well I think from a business point of view which is where I started off from saying no they have no responsibility to do more because I don't have a responsibility to do more doesn't mean they shouldn't be doing more and you talked about the trickle down approach of buying players from lower league clubs and you look at the current England team, or the one that was in the World Cup, 17 players in that squad had experience of playing in the EFL. And that's where they got their first first-team football. So you can see the value of the football league there, that it's giving the country's top-flight players that early experience. So it needs to be there, and there is a use there. But how do we increase that trickle-down? And, and also, how, you just, how many of those players went on loan to those clubs with the parent club covering their entire wages? For game time, we, we well, I don't know. We, we, we're never going to know that, no. but I'd imagine it's significant. Not always well, the case. When you, certainly, when you go into the lower, percentage. lower league, you know, in the championship, they, they may be expected to cough up a bit more. But mm. so I think, I think the Premier League do support them. Um, but I think when you sit, when you get into sort of an obligated financial contribution, I think that becomes quite murky. And what do we have currently? I forget what the term is. It's not the parachute payments. It's the solidarity, solidarity payments. payments that they make at the moment. And it's quite yeah. unfortunate that that's just been reduced by 2% over the last 24 Why? hours Why in the background. I assume it's something to it's, do with TV it's rights. It's, with TV. it's directly Which related is, to TV rights. Well, the championship clubs really were up in arms about this when the new TV deal came through for the championship, when they've seen exactly how much the Premier League have been able to get from overseas broadcast partners and then the championship clubs are still stuck with the same old deal, the same old domestic British broadcaster, whereas the Premier League increase has been something mm. astronomic. So you can understand why clubs feel that they're getting more and more isolated. The gap between the championship and the Premier League is growing bigger every season. You see clubs like Sheffield United having to spend X amount of money yeah. to make sure that they secure their 
Premier League status. Fulham spent an astronomical amount of money, over £100 million, pounds, well, look at relegated. Aston, Villa, Aston Villa have done the same, haven't won a game yet. Obviously, it's early doors in the season. So, I mean, are the Premier League as an institution somewhat, because of the way that the money's exploded, therefore forcing these championship clubs to have to dip into their pockets to an unbelievable extent in order to secure themselves in what is the Garden of Eden, effectively? Yeah, it's an arms race. But again... Championship clubs benefit from inflated transfer fees. How much did Aidan Flint... What's the, what's the name of the kid he went to Brighton from Bristol City go for? Uh, Adam Webster. Adam Webster, sorry, not Aidan Flint. I think he went to Middlesbrough. But he did, yeah. Adam, Adam Webster went for Brighton for £20 million for mm. a championship centre-half. Mm. Now, that money goes into Bristol City's coffers, inflated because it's come from a Premier League club. Bristol City then have to go and replace him. I don't know who they bought, but I'd imagine they bought a player from the Football League. Well, they had Thomas Callas, I think. They, they've signed him on a permanent well, from Chelsea. Yeah. So. But the money stays within football. It stays within... You know, so that there's a benefit to those lower league clubs as a trickle down effect. You know, when you're looking at um, the kid who went to Brighton from Brentford, Neil Mopai, mm. mm. he went for 20 million quid. Yeah. Ten years ago, Neil Mopai would have been a three or four million pound footballer. When we bought Matt Ritchie from uh, Bournemouth, Bournemouth yeah. 12 million quid for a championship midfielder. Mm. It, the money that exists in the Premier League inflates the value further down the pyramid. So there is a trickle-down effect that's already there. And that has been boosted and it's by just things not quantifiable like the homegrown player rules that yeah, encourage absolutely. more English players. That does increase that. But I guess the question is to Premier League clubs, how much do you value the Football League? Yeah. How much do you value the opportunity to give your players experience? How much do you value the idea that you can use it as a growing field, like a, an allotment for but new talent? Do we have and, a solution? And if, and if they do value it then they do need to invest in it. Because at the moment, Berry and Bolton, they won't be the first clubs that have financial problems. It's going to increase. Yeah. It's going to get worse because football at the top level is getting more expensive. And what I love about football, I love relegation and promotion. I love the risk element that football has. And I think that's a brilliant thing that we can't lose. And if it carries on, and if we lose these clubs or these clubs become non-professional or semi-professional clubs, then the Premier League is going to become more detached from the Championship and other teams below it. And we'll end up with this league that's like the NFL, where you've got this set 20 teams. There's no relegation, there's no promotion. They just play each other endlessly till the end of time. Like, and the, I Scot- think, like the Scottish League. And that, ruins, yeah, yeah. that ruins a really valuable bit we have of football. So I, I don't know what the solution is, but I, I think I, it's something we need to be is cautious there a, of. Is there a solution well, in no. your mind? Does it stay the same? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I don't think it's a solution. Because... It's human nature to go OTT. So everyone, if the Premier League gave an extra 20 million quid into the Football League, or what, pick an arbitrary number, yeah, yeah. you're still going to have a chairman who's ambitious, who overextends himself mm. because it's human nature. That's why businesses rise and fall. So the reason that clubs get into financial difficulty, by and large, is because they overextend themselves. And, and, and also... When we're talking about clubs going into trouble, it's not doesn't just happen to the lower Leeds, Portsmouth. Yeah. You know, other clubs higher up the pyramid where there is more money have still overextended themselves because people are always going to do that till the end of the time. And if you give the clubs more money further down the pyramid, all that's going to happen is someone else will do the same thing again, in my mm. opinion. Mm. Um I think that the it's situation kind of why FFP and stuff came yeah. in in the foot and, supposedly. But, so that's gotta have that's gotta have more teeth. That's gotta have way more teeth. Because like from my understanding, Barry Pitt very quite a high wage bill. Mm. Yeah, they were they were they the previous owner Stuart Day was spending far beyond his means. He was by the end of his I don't want to say tenancy, but at the end of his tenure as Berry owner, he was selling spaces outside in the car park in Gig Lane for ten grand to fans. 
So I think owners should be regarded as custodians. I've said this multiple times. I don't think they should be considered owners. I think owners is the wrong word. You are a custodian of a club, not an owner of a club, because then it makes it sound too much like something that is your possession and you can treat it however you want, which is is not right when there's so much of an emotional element involved in the football club. Personally, I think, and you know that with, with fans of your football club, Newcastle United, it's yeah, different. Yeah, no, it it is, but in a legal sense, it's not. There's there's loads and loads of businesses that you can name where people are emotionally invested in them. The only businesses that I can think of that have been bailed out by anyone... It's been all by Mike Ashley. It's been... Well, no. <laughs> I was going to talk about the banks during the financial crisis. Mike Ashley buys distressed businesses. Do you know yeah. what? A good comparable product would be a pub. Yeah. Because I think pubs probably offer very similar things to... <laughs> they don't, I mean, it, People have a favourite boozer that they go to religiously. They use it as an escapism. They bond it with their family there. It offers... Very similar things, maybe not as healthy as going to watch the football. It's but about the same, I'd say. Even, you would not even <laughs> dream of your local pub that you've been going to for 10 years, closing down and going, well, Weatherspoon should step in and invest in this <laughs> pub to keep it going. You wouldn't, you, it would not happen. And that's what we're suggesting. OK, very interesting. We've been talking about this for ages now. So let's <laughs> leave it there. Time for a quick break on Football Social Daily. Afterwards, we'll be talking about Manchester United's one to a 2 Well, Lukaku's already gone to Inter Milan. Is Alexis Sanchez about to follow him to Serie A? And what about Lukaku's comments on the fact that he was made a scapegoat by United supporters? Stay tuned. We'll have more after this. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We've been talking about what the Premier League could do to help EFL clubs in financial crisis. And by the uh, the Scrooges in the studio here, absolutely <laughs> fuck all is the answer <laughs> the realist. to that question. The realist, as Phil would say. That's Phil Hudson over there. That's Jim Selson over there. We've also got Kieran Howley, who somehow last week pulled out an unbelievable fantasy. How did you manage that, Kieran? Timo Puki into the, into the fantasy team, and he's only gone and scored a hat-trick. Yeah, I've set myself up here. Uh, I've peaked too early. I'll never reach those giddy heights <laughs> across the rest of the season. Well, hopefully you don't have Alexis as your tip because he looks like he's out of the door at Manchester United uh, in the next couple of weeks. But what about Romelu Lukaku's comments, Jim? About the uh, He's been talking on a podcast mm. about the fact that he feels that he was made a scapegoat at Manchester United because Manchester United, let's face it, over the last six years since Alex Ferguson left the club have been underperforming. Yep. No two ways about it. Um, and Lukaku has said that himself, Paul Pogba and Alexis Sanchez were always the scapegoats for poor performances. In recent months, we've seen Ashley Young and Phil Jones and Chris Smalling get a bit of stick. But probably over the years, if you compare it all, not to the extent that Lukaku and co have had. So what do you make of his comments? I 100% agree with him. I think he's absolutely bang on. Those three players have been scapegoats. But by the same token, I think it kind of comes with the territory. If you are the player that a club has bought in for 60, 70, 80 million and you're earning 400 grand a week, that is part of the territory because the expectations on you to perform once you're earning those wages or commanding those transfer fees is so high that you do need to perform at that level. And you have to say, actually, I think Paul Pogba is probably the most unfairly criticised out of those three. I think Lukaku will be a good player in Italy and it's very difficult to be a great player in a team as poor as United have been over the last couple of years. Alexis Sanchez, I mean, he might deserve the criticism, but I I agree they have been made scapegoats. I think I'm with you on the Lukaku thing. 28 goals in 66 Premier League appearances for Manchester United. That is just under one in two. It's about one in two and a bit. So that's not, not a bad record for a striker. Do you think that the price tag has had a big impact on what Manchester United fans think about these players. Lukaku, £75 million. 
Paul Pogba, £89 million, which was a, a record for Manchester People United at the time. People were off Paul Pogba before he even kicked a ball. The moment he signed for eighty nine million quid, people were calling him a this waste of money. This is what I'm saying. Well, people are saying when Lukaku misses a chance, always oh, seventy five million quid's worth of player, he should be bagging that away. It's not Lukaku's fault that that's how much he cost. Mm. You can't blame the player for being worth that much, and therefore the baggage is there for them to perform. Then I kind of take your point. It's not Lukaku's fault that that's how much he cost. He's going to miss fact, chances. He's a striker. But the fact remains that there's an expectation. So the criticism isn't actually necessarily of Lukaku. It's actually of the people who bought, who paid seventy-five million for Lukaku, yeah. isn't it? If that's but, how but, much but he cost, feels an implied, he feels an implied criticism of him. Then the fact is that if if someone's saying that, the chances are he probably should have done better with the chance anyway. <laughs> I think Pogba's a funny one. Um, I went to Old Trafford two years ago to watch. We lost four-one. Having got one 0 up, very Newcastle performance, and Pogba beat us on his own. He was outstanding. Mm. I'd never seen. I came away just wow because he, he could literally do everything. He could beat a man one on one. He's got a great range of passing. He wins stuff in the air. He's strong. I was I was absolutely blown away by how well he played. And the idea from that that someone could criticise him at, at the time just was like, what is going on? And then I watched him at St James's last year and he was rubbish. And it was just a different player. And you're going, how on earth? But can to that... keep that level of consistency but... up, it's going to be hard, isn't it? It's no, quite... it is. It is hard. But but his body language is shocking. He at times. And also, just the way he goes on doesn't help the stupid penalty run up. I know he's changed it and he missed. I know it cost me fantasy points, but um, <laughs> but I do think that I do think he doesn't help himself. I do think that he's badly advised, and I think Lukaku is, was badly advised at times as well. I think Sanchez is a totally different thing. Sanchez has just been shocking. Mm. He's been absolutely rubbish for them, and he's on. Like absolutely insane money. So, do you think they're being scapegoated? Lukaku said he felt he was being scapegoated by Manchester United fans. His record, as I said, is nearly one. It's just nearly one in two. Paul Pogba's got twenty-four Premier League goals in ninety-four appearances from central midfield, albeit a lot of penalties. But I mean, this is a guy who is Manchester United's best performer if you go by stats from last season. I think there's one piece of evidence that you can look at to suggest that one hundred percent Lukaku has a point here, and they are being scapegoated, and it is the criticism that these two players get. And let's talk about Pogba and Lukaku, because as you say, Alexis Sanchez is a kind of a slightly different deal. He seems to have completely gone. But Lukaku, mostly criticised for being fat. I mean, if he's fat, for a start, I'm, I want to be fat. Because he is built, he's not fat. And so, he, was, he was actually asked by Roberto Martinez, who's the Belgian manager, to put on weight for the World Cup. There you go. Second, Paul Pogba, what does he get mostly criticised for? His haircut. So and his attitude and the, his posts on social media. If you're criticising players for being fat when they're not and for having a silly haircut, 100% that is scapegoating. That's in no way criticising them intelligently or constructively for their performances on the pitch. And they will have bad games and they have had bad games. But Paul Pogba was one of Manchester United's best performers. What everyone, no matter what anyone says, he has been one of Manchester United's best players over the last two seasons when Manchester United have been terrible. And Lukaku... I mean, he hasn't had the best time or didn't have the best time at Manchester United. But at the same time, again, he was playing in a poor team. I think, as you say, Phil, the criticism is towards the club who have spent a lot of money on players, giving them big yeah, they, price tags. For, for me, the criticism is actually the criticism's about Woodward. So they're not, held, they're not scapegoats for Manchester United's poor performance, they, but they are evidence of Manchester United's poor transfer policy. Mm. Paul Pogba's the only star in an average Manchester United team for the last three seasons. Average. 
You cannot tell me Martial or Rashford or whoever else you want to think of is as good as Paul Pogba nope. on, on the level that, no. that Paul Pogba's I'm, I'm on. I'm questioning Absolutely the word not. star. He's the only star player in that team. So you don't yeah, think but Paul why, Pogba's no, but a star why is player? He, why is he a star player? He's the only star player in that team. But, but how do you he define the, the star? He won the World Cup with France. And he was superb. Stefan Givosh won a World Cup He won Scudetto after Scudetto with Juventus. Probably. Why did Ferguson pedal him? Well, don't, no idea. Because of his attitude. The himself. Because actually, it's in his autobiography. Because of his attitude. That's why they got rid of him the first time. Uh, well, Sir Alex Ferguson isn't the manager of Manchester United anymore and hasn't been for six years. So what he says now is completely irrelevant. And I think there's quite a few players that probably have attitude problems but still manage to perform on the pitch. I mean, I think there's probably, you go 50% of Premier League players at the moment have some kind of attitude problem. Kieran, what do you think? Let's 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 get your two pence worth on this. Kieran's gone. He got eleven assists last year, and he played fourteen key passes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I mean, man. you were talking about uh, a player who changed the game. I'm thinking of the derby last year, uh, yeah. where we thought Man United were cut and dry, and we were going to win the league at their place. Uh, and Pogba stepped up at a time no one else did, and he completely influenced the game. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about he got shipped off for an attitude problem. Didn't see a big problem at Juventus. Did a pretty good job there. Good enough to pull back for ninety million. Um, and I think <laughs> you were you were raking me there for going on the stats, but you look at the stats. He's a significantly better midfielder than any other option they mm, have. Yeah. Uh, like you say, there's an argument there about well, could we have better invested the funds by spreading it elsewhere? But in terms of sheer performance, he's outperforming everyone else on the field. Um, and you look at this year, he's still top for United players on expected goals and opportunities. Mm. Uh, it's only uh, a missed penalty which anyone does. Yeah. Uh, there's no one with a 100% penalty no, record. His penalty record is poor in all fairness, but I mean, like you say, I mean, he, he does influence games. He's the, he's the one you want to step mm. up and, and bring the game to the opposition. Every team has a scapegoat of some kind when performances are bad. It will be Luke Shaw for United this season. I've just got a feeling that's Because he's slightly heavier than most of the other players. Yeah, Mark Noble gets it at West Ham constantly. The telling thing about this interview is it clearly affected Lukaku because he's talking about it, yeah. and that affected 100%. his performances. Mm. 100%. I think that's the telling thing to take from this. There will always be scapegoats in football. There's always going to be one player yeah. that gets pelters from the fans. Fans are well within their rights to slag off the players, but don't think they don't see it. But footballers yeah. should be mentally strong enough to handle that. That should be part of their conditioning, and part of their training should be able to be able to handle this criticism and this abuse. Yeah, I agree. No one's slagging off Timu Puki though, are they? <laughs> yes. Well, Phil might, because they, he absolutely spanked Newcastle United last week in the 3-1 win uh, at Carrow Road over the tune. Um, Kieran, you, you said that you would put him in your fantasy team. You didn't take your own advice, mate. You've lost a bucket load of points. <sighs> I know. I, I did this thing where I've got this theory where if you're unsure about making a, d- a decision, you can roll that transfer into the next week. Um, it could go either way. So it's But either way, you end up with another transfer if you leave it. And so I left Puki and I left Martial, um, partly because of slight <laughs> price rises as well. And they both outperformed all the, both the players I was going to pull in. Of course, we're talking about Fantasy Premier League. Kieran's our in-house Fantasy Premier League expert, the man who... You've been doing it for, what, 10 seasons now, Kieran? Yeah, on and off for probably quite a while longer. But uh, I, I finally decided to put my money where my mouth was and invest heavily, perhaps <laughs> too heavily, according to some who might be in this room. Um, but but really put in the research and the time to see how how well I could perform. What have you got for us this week? Any sort of golden nuggets that we can take into our fantasy leagues for the weekend and wipe the floor of our mates? He's nervous because I'm in his fantasy league <laughs> and he doesn't want he doesn't want to give up any. Phil, I'm shy at fantasy league and you're below me. So so it, I wouldn't worry too is much. Is this Chatham about... House rules, Kieran? Is this like I'm not allowed to go and implement this in- intelligence you're about to give me? Well, this might have influenced it because I haven't gone for any super. 
stars this week. What I've really looked for is value in the teams uh, and what you can get for that sort of seven or below sub bracket. Cool. Uh, and in particular, I'm looking, I'm looking at Chelsea and it's been an emotional roller coaster in their first couple of games. Uh, they look like a complete write-off after United and then had a great performance against Liverpool and then I thought performed solidly against Leicester last week as well. And I think it, it's a strange thing. Looking across their team, their whole team seems to be underpriced this year. Like their entire midfield, they're the cheapest midfielder. I know the most expensive is 7.5, I think, and that's Pulisic. And I think uh, you've got people like Barkley, you've got Mount, both coming in at six, mm. both performing very well in preseason. It looks like Mount is getting the shout over Barkley, and Lampard seems to absolutely adore him. Yeah. Mm. And he's coming out as this standout midfielder. For only six, you're getting the guy who's contributing the most assists mm. and is coming second in uh, expected goals. He's got his first goal last front. week as well, so he'll be full of confidence. He looks sharp. He looks hungry. Uh, he looks, just on the eye test, the guy who's most likely to take hold of the ball and change a game. So I think he's a really exciting option in midfield, particularly at six, and with an amazing run of games. Stru- right up to game week 13 they're only playing one out of the top six and that's wow. Liverpool yeah um, and they've already played them in the Super Cup or probably in, all be in different circumstances obviously but they'll yeah. know a little bit about yeah they'll have, they'll have worked out a bit of a plan there and secondly I'm looking a, a little bit hesitantly as, at the defence because I don't think they've <laughs> quite worked that out but it looks like Emerson has usurped Alonso he's got the start mm. in all three of those games now and his underlying performances are showing like he's the second coming of Alonso, but for 5.5 instead of 7. So he's already um, fifth best for expected goal output across all defenders across the league. Wow. And he's top for goals attempts. He's got four shots in the first two games, three of them from inside the box. Well, he hit the post against Man United, didn't he? In yeah, that game, yeah. So. And he, he hit the crossbar, I think, again uh, against Leicester. And he's, if you look at his heat map, even, he's looking like an inside forward slash winger in terms of where he's spending his time on the pitch. So I, I love watching a game and knowing that you've got a fullback operating mm. as essentially an inside forward. It makes it so exciting to watch. They will so concede goals, though, Chelsea, won't they? Do you think they will? Yeah, I mean, if you look at paper, they've got a solid defence. They've got much the same defence as last year. They shipped out Louise, but Lampard had already said in the interviews that came out yesterday that he, was, he wasn't going to be a starter anyway. He's got more faith in Zuma. Wow. So I think after a few games, that, that's going to sharpen up. And they've already looked a lot better against Leicester than did against United. I think United was a blip. I think Chelsea are really interesting this season. And I've said since the start, I think Lampard and Chelsea will come good this year. I think the big question, and this is partly in fantasy football as well, is how long Lampard keeps faith with the youngsters Mm. that he's playing at the moment. Because he's got some old, reliable heads at the moment in that team. Pedro's getting starts at the moment. I think Pedro will continue to get starts. But I think we're going to see Giroud creeping into that starting eleven. I think Tammy Abrahams might start a few on the bench and Giroud could start up front. And I always back Giroud. If he's going to start a game, Giroud gets goals. Mm. It's kind of what he does. Or even assists, like flick-ons. He's just a nuisance, isn't he, Olivier Giroud? Yeah, um, and it, and he's a complete enabler to the full midfield as well. Yeah, like you yeah. say, he's not a goal scorer, but he gets involved and tees up chances. And yeah. Pulisic looks so quick. I can see that being as a combo. Giroud assist and Pulisic goal on more than one occasion. As you quite rightly said, though, there's the, the risk is rotation. We don't know what the settled side is. You imagine uh, Jorginho and Kante are going to start every game. So then you've got uh, Kovacic, Barkley, Mount... And Loftus-Cheek, when he's back, all playing for that one position, sort mm. of in the number 10 role. So it's always going to be a risk, but they're so cheap. That can pay off so well for you. OK, and just quickly, and before we wrap up, anyone to avoid or any teams to avoid do you think that might struggle this weekend? Um, I, I see a lot of people shifting off Liverpool defenders. 
so they've gone in, brought in three to two big seven million Liverpool defenders. And now they look like a shaky backline. They look shaky at the start, but without Alisson, mm. I think you want to reinvest those funds elsewhere. Yeah. And now. reports suggesting that Dejan Lovren may be close to joining Bayer Leverkusen as well. So that could be so one less. improve their defence. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what do you mean? He's, a world, he's one of the best in the world. Do you remember, him, do you remember yeah. when he said that? Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening to Football Social Daily, the new name for Premier League Daily. Don't worry, we will still be offering you the same great content seven days a week, podcasts every single day with Premier League review shows and preview shows looking back across all the weekend's action we've also got an amazon alexa skill so all you need to do is say alexa open sports social to enable that skill and we'll give you a team update every single day so any of the 20 premier league teams that you support every single day you will get a brand new team update with all the latest news injury updates on your club so don't forget to do that subscribe to the show as well so you never miss another episode if you're on itunes as well leave us a nice little review and uh, we might even give you a shout out on the show you can find us on twitter at the sports social but for now that's it from football social daily and we'll talk to you tomorrow Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.